and turn to the book of Galatians tonight, the book of Galatians, and um, we are going to look at several places in the Bible here in, uh, in the, the book of Galatians, beginning in chapter number one, beginning in chapter number one. <clears throat> We're going to pick up at verse number 6, Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 6, and read just two verses together, verses 6 and 7. Let's stand together, please, out of respect for the Word of God, and ask you, if you would, just to read these two verses aloud with me in unison, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Together, please. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. I want you to notice those two little words, uh, there trouble you. There be some that trouble you. Uh, go over to chapter 3, if you would, please. Chapter 3. And... Um, Read with this uh, first verse uh, with me, please, together. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Now go with me, please, if you would, over to chapter uh, 5. Chapter 5. Look down at verse number 7 if you would, and read with me together. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? And then in verse 10, read with me. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. I want you to notice that phrase we found in uh, the first chapter, in verse number 7, and also here in the fifth chapter, the tenth verse, and it speaks of he that troubleth you. I want to talk to you on that little phrase that tonight, he that troubleth you. We read, uh, ye did run well, who did hinder you? We read, who hath bewitched you? And uh, let me tell you something, if you get off track, if you get off track, if you're living for Christ and you're in the will of God and you're serving the Lord and you get off track, it won't be a what, it'll be a who. It'll be a who. I want to talk to you about that tonight, he that troubleth you. Heavenly Father, please, through the power of thy sweet Holy Spirit, use me in these thoughts, Lord, uh, that you've laid upon my heart to challenge, encourage thy people and help us to stay the course in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I've told you this little story about Carl Hatch. And I'm going to tell it again because I always tell it on the first Sunday of the month. And, uh, but uh, I was, we were in what was an old uh, bamboo garden restaurant over on 64. And uh, Brother Hatch had his uh, trunk open, his car open. He had his briefcase open. And uh, he was rifling through it, and there was a, uh, some papers that were stapled or, or paper clips somehow together. 
And uh, I looked at that, and, uh, and I, I said, uh, Brother Hatch, is that, uh, is that the churches that you preach? as a long list of churches, full pages, numbers and numbers of pages. And, uh, uh, and uh, I asked him, I said, uh, uh, is that the church you preach? I said, yes. Yeah, he said, these are the churches I preach at, my mail list. I said, that's amazing. I said, uh, uh, it must be hundred, several hundred churches. And it was, as I recall, uh, 400 or so churches on that list. I said, man, that is a lot of churches. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, it used to be several thousand. And I said, wow. I said, uh, what happened? He said, well, some of them, uh, some of them don't exist. Um, and then a lot of them, uh, I couldn't go, I wouldn't go, and or they wouldn't have me come. <laughs> and uh, he said, they're not what they used to be. I said, Dr. Hatch, what happened to those churches? And he said three things. Number one, the music. Number two, the standards. Number three, the soul winning in that order. Later in my life, Dr. Tom Williams, in his 80s, would tell me almost verbatim the same thing, a little different wording, but the same three areas in the same order. Those old men of God knew what they were talking about. And you change the spirit of the church when you change the music. The church is not supposed to be a honky-tonk, friends. Listen, if we're going to try to, if we're going to, we're either going to, we either have a mission to reach people or we're going to buy into the world's idea and attract people. i got news for you. If you're going to start attracting people, you're going to have to hype it up more and more all the time to still attract people. Because if your business is to attract this guy over here is going to do something else more attractive, then you're going to have to do something else a little more edgy. And we're watching that in Christianity. We're watching that in the world. The world's doing that. The world has to be more depraved, more sensual, more, uh, 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 more wow factor, more shock factor just to get anybody to view. We are not called to attract depraved fresh flesh to the gospel. We are called to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our call. Both those wise men knew that if you change the spirit of the church by changing the music, and I don't know, Brother Jerry, uh, am I not on? Am I not on? All right. Brother Jerry, I must be dead. Nope. Let me get up. Oh, well, we're just going to use a pulpit mic tonight. Amen. Yeah, give me a hand help. Um, I want to run around a little bit tonight. I got to. I got an illustration. I got to <laughs> have a leash tonight. All right. All right, here we go. But, uh, uh, but, but if you, you, you get into business attracting people, you're going to have to go further and further and further. We're not in the business of attracting. We're in the business of reaching people for Jesus Christ. Amen? But when you change, when you change the spirit uh, of the music, you change the spirit of a church. And, and you folks in the music ministry, please know this. And we have, mom, oh, aren't we blessed? We are so blessed. Bailey's Grove Baptist Church is so blessed with musicians and singers and people with talent. They give their talent to the Lord, and I thank God for that. They put a lot of hard work behind it, and I, I praise Him for that. 
And I, I'm no musicians, but I, musician, but I love to sing. And God uh, 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 knows my heart on this matter. I try to watch over. I do not want to happen to this church what I've seen happen to many, many, many churches. And, and uh, 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 listen, it's no offense, but if you're going to stand up there and sing, then you ought to be representative of what is preached and taught in this church. Amen. You ought to be a biblical Christian. Amen. See, that sounds judgmental. Are you trying to disqualify people? No, I'm trying to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, my dear friend, listen to me. Uh, 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 when, when the church changes its music, the spirit of the church changes. Listen, you, you don't believe what I'm saying. You can go in the next room, go to the kitchen sink, and while the family's watching something on television, and you'll hear, dun, 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 dun. And you're going, oh, something's getting ready to happen in there. The spirit, the fear. Dun, 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 dun. You can produce emotion. Emotion in itself is not wrong. Please understand. But when that emotion turns to sensuality and starts using that driving bass and that backbeat that's so uh, indicative of the rock culture and, uh, and, 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 uh, and all the filth and garbage and rebellion and all that goes with that culture. And you try to introduce that. The Bible said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the world. Touch not the unclean thing. What, what concord hath Christ with Belial? What fellowship does light have with darkness? None, that's what. And so many churches in, a, in an attempt to, uh, 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 to try to, I, don't, I can't judge motives, but I'm guessing motives, I'll, I'll admit to that. If I had to guess motives, I guess to try to appease folks or try to get a crowd or whatever. Hey, listen, it's not our job, job to get a crowd. It is our job to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our job to love people, teach them, and build their lives. That is our job. And Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And I believe that he does that when we're obedient to him. But you, you, change, that, you change the spirit of a church, and, and, and it won't be long. It won't be long. When you introduce fleshly means and sensual means, it don't, then don't, don't be surprised when it starts showing up on how people live. You, you're not, you're not, you're not going to listen to rock and roll music and dress like a Christian very long. You're just not going to. Pretty soon, your life and your, your, your wardrobe is going to match your music. And once you get there, once you get where, where standards and convictions are shoved off to the side, now then you lose your power. You, you, listen, God fills us with His Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a spirit of holiness. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have to say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, then you can fulfill the fruit of the Spirit in your life and God can use you. But once you, once you throw that out and once you, you, you introduce worldliness into the church, then there's no power. There's no Holy Spirit power. So then nobody's getting saved and, and the witnessing goes out the window. And pretty soon, what used to be a church on fire for Christ it's now a church with black walls and, 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 and lights to light up a stage and a performance, a cheap version of the honky-tonk trying to outdo the world. We will never do a very good job at, at, at beating the world at its own game. We're God's people. We're God's people. Now, let me tell you something. You say, how does that happen? Let me tell you how. It happens by influence. How is it that all these guys got the same idea? They didn't all come up with it themselves. They didn't come up with it. Well, we don't need a piano anymore. We'll get us a keyboard, electric guitar. They didn't, get, they didn't come up with that on their own. Why? How did it happen? Influence. 
influence. Now, I, I have been preaching long enough now that there's men that I love, that I care for, I pray for, but I couldn't go to their church and preach. There's men that used to preach in this pulpit. I couldn't have them come and preach. There's men that had a pulpit, don't have a pulpit anymore. I was talking to a dear brother and <clears throat> who led the music in a, in a, in a good church. And uh, I don't think the devil wants this message preached tonight. Uh, it's on now. Give me back up. And uh, he, um, uh, he was leading the singing in, for the church. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, he said, my pastor was a good fundamental, independent, fundamental soul winning Baptist church, like-minded church. I'd been to the church. I, I, I knew the, uh, 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 know the former pastor. And uh, anyway, and, uh, and uh, it would be the same kind. At one time, a church just like this. <clears throat> as far as philosophy and doctrine and practice and so forth. And, uh, and the song leaders that are responsible for the music uh, realize his pastor is introducing into his own personal life music that, he, that they didn't play in the church. They didn't allow in the church. Wrong kind of music. And the song leader scratching his head. And finally, uh, the pastor uh, came to a point and said, uh, uh, I want you to, uh, I want this, we're going to start using this music in, in, in the church. And this dear man, is, I've, Things are changing around him, and he's scratching his head. What do I do right here? And finally came a sticking point. The pastor said, we're going to do this for the music department. He said, Pastor, I can't do that. And the pastor said, what you need to do is be a pastor. And got up to the front of the church and said, Brother so-and-so is going to be a pastor. And Brother so-and-so said, I guess I'm going to be a pastor. And now then, uh, that church, uh, sadly, uh, is gone. Uh, pastor is still pastoring uh, in a denomination that is not, uh, is not held to the fundamentals of the faith. I, um, I, 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 I said, what, what happened? He said, started reading after Rick Warren. I said, yeah. I remember being in a pastor's home years ago, and someone I love very, very much. And, and, and I love to look at books. I love books. And... Uh, and, uh, and looking at the pastors on the pastor's shelf there, and I, I saw this book, and I thought, what's that book doing there? And I've thought many times in my heart that I should have said something then and probably will regret that the rest of my life. Not that I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. But I think probably what I should have said as a friend said, what are you doing with this book on your bookshelf? But it was Rick Warren and his philosophies. By the way, if you don't know that name, surely most of you know that name, but he's sort of a pioneer in what uh, we might call the progressive church movement, which is away from the fundamentals of the faith, completely ecumenical, a whole rock culture, and, uh, and uh, no uh, separation, just where so much of Christianity has gone. And he's one of the forefathers of it. 
And, I, and, and, and that dear pastor was like-minded and, and uh, believed as I believed. And King James Bible man, separation man, conservative Christian music, honors Christ, all that. Same doctrine, same practice, same uh, uh, so all that. All that now then. Uh, now then threw his standards out. Got a whole different music, a whole different ministry mindset in a whole different kind of church. Not pastoring now. I'm not saying he's out of the will of God for that. I don't know that part, but I know he's not pastoring now. And he's in a church that's just not like-minded. Now you say, what, what happened? I tell you what, I, it wasn't what happened, it's who happened. It's who happened. It's who you allow to influence you. It's who you begin to read after. It's who you begin to, uh, 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 to learn from. And, and, and Paul, this is, this is an ancient problem. Paul said this, he said, uh, he said there's some folks troubling you. There's some folks troubling you. I uh, Go back to Galatians uh, chapter 1 again. Uh, 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 verse 6, I marvel. Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. There's only one. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven preaching the other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that, that you have received, let him be accursed. Hey, listen to me. People, I, I want to say this. Uh, 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 you, you, you watch out. You watch out for that, that, uh, that who, that one that troubles you. Watch out for the one that troubles your doctrine. Watch out for the one that troubles your doctrine. Now listen, here is the, 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 the technology that we have is, a, is a, a curse and a blessing. Amen. It's a blessing in the fact we can talk to people on the other side of the world and we can propagate the gospel in places we could never go personally. It's a wonderful tool. If it's used right, it's a tremendous tool uh, uh, that can be used to help get the gospel to the world. That's a wonderful thing. But one of the weaknesses of it is the, is the, uh, is, it's a perfect uh, uh, tool to communicate with anonymity. You can, you can get on there, you can get on the internet, you can read after somebody. The truth is you have no clue who you're reading after. You have no clue who's saying what's saying. And of course we know from Deuteronomy when somebody starts criticizing someone else and, and the biblical pattern is you, you, you got two witnesses, okay, we'll open an investigation. The first thing we do, we investigate the accusers. That's Bible. That's Bible justice. But you'll sit and read a whole page of garbage and you don't have a clue about the character of the person who's writing an article. That's one of the weaknesses. Let me ask, let me tell you, there's plenty of good stuff out there in the electronic world and find some people that you love and trust and read after them for crying out loud. Who are you following? Follow somebody that's God-fearing, amen. Why do you need to follow all of your old classmates from 30, 40 years ago who are living depraved lives and fornicating and some of them are queers and some of them, they, they're godless in their life. Say, yeah, but we used to go to school together. Follow, follow, follow Jesus. You don't need to know all the filth that's going on in the world. Who did hinder you? Who hath bewitched you? He said, you beware of those that will trouble your doctrine. Listen, you be careful of those that want to shake your faith in this book right here. This Bible that I hold in my hand is the divinely inspired, preserved Word of God. Rick Warren's book has 15 different versions in it. If I put 15 different versions in front of me while I was preparing a message, I could pretty much find anything <laughs> that I wanted to say in there somewhere. Now, let me tell you something. If we, we either have an every word Bible or we don't. And Jesus said this, uh, 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 Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
I got a question. Do you have an every word Bible? By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There's several doctrines about the Bible that you ought to know. The first is the doctrine of revelation. Uh, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God is as old as God himself. It's timeless. Amen. It didn't come into existence as Moses penned it. Uh, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Those human instruments of Jeremiah and Isaiah and the Apostle Paul and Moses and so forth, about 40 different uh, writers, they pinned the, the scriptures, but let me tell you something. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. The word of God is eternal, and divine revelation is God getting his word up there in eternity past in heaven down to man. Amen. He did that through the process of inspiration. Uh, uh, that word inspired means God breathed, and uh, all scriptures given to us by inspiration of God. Uh, those, are, those are God's words. While I'm preaching right now, I can put my hand in front of my mouth, and I can feel the breath on my hand and you can do the same and some of you it's a pretty strong wind when you're talking but anyway uh, you you can't breathe without exhaling uh, exhaling and that's what God did God gave us his words God gave the words to Moses God gave the words to Jeremiah God gave the words to the Apostle Paul and we have our Bible through the process of inspiration but you also ought to know and understand the doctrine of preservation Psalm 12 6 and 7 uh, the words of the Lord not the thoughts not the general ideas not the concepts not the truths the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them the words thou shalt preserve them the words from this generation forever you do. You get your Strong's Concordance or get your Bible uh, uh, study app down and you punch in the word word and the word words and do your own little Bible study and you'll find that there uh, uh, God said, uh, 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 talks about the words of the Lord are pure words. Uh, don't take away from the words. Don't add to the words. You go to the end of your Bible, the last few verses in the last chapter, in the last book of the Bible and God said, don't you add to these words and don't you take away from these words. God's serious about his words. Don't mess with his words. If I didn't believe I had the perfect preserved word of God tonight, I'd go home and close this book and I'd go out there and I'd get me a job at one of these help wanted sign a dozen of them between here and downtown and I'd make an honest living. I wouldn't stand up here and proclaim that this is truth if I didn't believe that it was God's divine inspired preserved word of God. I wouldn't do it. You be careful. Somebody troubles you. You're fundamentalist. Make such a big deal about the King James Bible. You'll get on somebody's website and the, 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 all the isms. You, you King James Bible people are divisive. The King James Bible onlyism cult. Now let me tell you something. Either we have an every word Bible or we don't. Either God preserved his word or we don't. If God promised to preserve his word for this generation, then God's preserved pure words are available in this generation. Now let me tell you something. I have more respect for a person. I have, I have uh, 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 several in my closet. I have several different perversions of the Bible. And uh, you, you, can get a, you can get a gender neutral NIV now. Did you know that? All the queers and lesbians, if, you, if uh, he and she offends you, then you can get your, you can get your gender neutral Bible. And, uh, and that, wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen? And uh, so, but I've got some up for, for reference. I, I don't, I study them some, no, uh, but for reference, for reference, 
And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and can I and let's say this? If, 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 if I did not believe, if I did not believe that I had the perfect word of God, I'd close up shop. Now, either we have in every word Bible or we're not. You put one book here and you put one book here and the words in this book are different than the words in this book. There's only a couple possibilities. Either number one, they're both wrong. Or number two, this one's wrong and this one's right. Or number three, this one's wrong and that one's right. But they can't both be right. So God either did or did not preserve his words. We have to have his words to live, the Bible tells us. And he either did preserve his words or or he didn't. Well, if he did, then they're available to us today. And you show me the word of God that God has used to bring revival and win souls and take the gospel to the world. And I tell you where it is. It's right here in my hand, right here. Right here in my hand. There is, listen, it's not rocket science that the same crowd, this ecumenical crowd, which by the way is a spirit of antichrist, just like the globalists want everybody scared to death to use a plastic straw or the hairspray. Because the, the world's on, the, the, the earth is freezing, I mean burning up, I mean uh, changing. The same globalist, antichrist, globalist mindset that's pr- trying through, uh, through uh, hold your seat, uh, through pandemics and through climate change to try to bring the world into a world governance the World Health Organization is doing their dead-level best and stinking liberals in Washington, D.C. are trying to do their dead-level best to bring us under the authority of globalists. That spirit of antichrist is the same spirit of the ecumenical movement that said, man, that, we don't, our doctrine is not that important. Let's all just get along. Listen, my dear friend, listen to me. I'm supposed to love everybody. I'm supposed to treat everybody with honor and respect, but I will not sit on a platform and, and with a man and act like that it's okay, that it's okay to preach a doctrine of works that it's okay to preach a doctrine of baptism that it's okay to preach a doctrine of sacraments that it's okay to preach a doctrine of Mary Olandry and Mary as a co-redemptrix with Jesus Christ there is one gospel and one gospel alone and that's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and you start hobnobbing and you start running with and you start powing around and reading after and listening after folks that'll mess with your doctrine hey somebody's troubling you Somebody's troubling you. Who is it? Who is it? Whose blog are you reading? Whose videos? What, what bitter young adult that grew up in a good church is poisoning your mind? Let me tell you something. The easiest thing in all the world to do is to blame godly spiritual authorities for your failures. And I've said it before, I'll say it again tonight. Your eyes and my eyes ought to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up right here if you would and, and face the flag over there and come over here and stand and face the flag if you would. We're, we're recognizing these men of God in this year. Why? Because they were men uh, that, that were great men that God greatly used, uh, dedicated unto the Lord, men that God's hand were upon. And let me tell you something. You're going to have people in your life, the longer you live the Christian life, you're going to have people in your life uh, like Diotrephes, uh, like Demas, uh, 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 like uh, uh, Alexander the coppersmith and others uh, who will stand up 
uh, as Christian leaders and they will disappoint you and they will leave the will of God and someone will fall morally and get out of the will of God. But listen, uh, my, if my eyes and your eyes are upon the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank God for everybody who went before me that taught me the truths of God's word. But if he betrays the truths he once, uh, once taught, the problem is not the truth. The problem is the sin that he gave in to. If he gets in the wrong crowd and leaves, the problem is not the truth that he left. It's the crowd that he's, uh, that he's with now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who never changes. Thank you guys for seeing it. You beware that one who troubles your doctrine. Let me say this too. Beware that one that troubles your spirit. Who is it that dampens your enthusiasm? Who is it that throws cold water on your excitement? Who is it that makes fun of you for having the right kind of fun? Who is it that makes fun of you when you try to sing out? When you try to cooperate? When you try to be obedient and respectful to a teacher? When you try to show respect to your parents? Who is it that is troubling your spirit? One happy face plus one sour face equals two sour faces. We know this. Look in Galatians 5 and verse number 9. Verse 7 again. Ye did run well. Verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did trouble you that ye should not obey the truth? Who told you? You don't don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to obey that. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. Here's what he said. Who's persuading you? Who's hindering you? He said, I mean, you don't have to do that. Yeah, but my parents always say, ah, you don't have to do that. Who is troubling your reasoning? Who's the one whispering in your ear? Oh, it's not so bad. We have liberty now. Well, verse 13 down here, look at it. Verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Yes, we have a liberty of conscience in Christ. I preached about that a little bit this morning. Yes, I believe in individual soul liberty. I, I, I believe that God the Holy Spirit can teach you through His precious Word. I believe that you have the right of conscience and that you have an obligation before God uh, uh, to uh, 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 be sensitive to His Spirit, not to breach your own conscience. And, and I, I believe that. But, but the, 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 the uh, individual soul liberty, the law of liberty, is not... I get to do whatever I want to. Liberty is not you get to do whatever you want to. Liberty is the right to do what you ought to do. Liberty in a society is a, 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 is a government and a people who protects the right of the citizenry to do what is right. Not protect them to do what's wrong. It's not freedom to protect liars and thieves and extortioners and influence peddlers. That's not freedom. What is freedom is for a, 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 a cake baker to say, no, I cannot participate because of my conscience. For a florist to be able to say, no, I cannot participate because of my conscience. For a venue owner to say, no, we cannot have that event in this venue for, for sake of my conscience. That's liberty. Liberty is the right to do what you ought to do, what is right to do, not what you feel like doing. Look down at verse number 15. He said, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. 
You be careful for the one that troubles your doctrine, troubles your spirit, troubles your reasoning, troubles your tongue. Troubles your tongue. Uh, Drury Ward um, came to our church through Ann Beaver's uh, influence. And uh, I think an uncle, or I can't remember. But Junebug was as country as Junebug. <laughs> and I loved him. He's the uh, first man ever took me hunting and uh, gave me a 300 Magnum. What kind of would that be? Anybody know? You guys know guns. Anyway. Uh, anyway. But, uh, so, you know, I started as a gun, you know, and I pulled that trigger, boom, man, blew my shoulder off. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> but uh, he's the first one to ever take me in the woods, and I loved him so much. And uh, if I spent any time with Junebug, then I'd come home, Miss Shook would say, you've been with Junebug, haven't you? <laughs> Your speech bereath thee, Pastor. <laughs> my sister's been all over the world, uh, my sister Amber, Bushy, and uh, she grew up in North Carolina. She lived in North Carolina. She talked like she's in North Carolina. She moved up to uh, Indiana. Then she talked like she's from Indiana. She went to New Zealand and started talking like a Kiwi. And then went to Thailand, started talking like an Asian. She, her accent changes, uh, and uh, I can't understand her anymore. But uh, in Nehemiah 13, 24, Nehemiah threw a fit because... The nation had been taken into captivity because of idolatry. And after so many years, God allowed Ezra to go back and rebuild the temple. Nehemiah to go back and build the wall, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Sadly, only 50,000 people back in that, went back in that way when many more could have gone and should have gone. But only 50,000 went back. And Nehemiah was their governor. And, and he, said, uh, he said, listen, uh, uh, he said, we, we've, got to, we've got to be loyal. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful to the one true God. And, 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 and he leaves again and he comes back again. And all the young people in Nehemiah chapter number um, uh, 13 and verse number 24, all the young people the Bible said were speaking in, in half the speech of Ashdod. Ash, Ashdod was a false gospel. What were they doing? They were mingling with the worldly crowd. They were mingling with the idol worships, uh, idol worshipers, and they're picking up their lingo and talking half the speech of Ashdod. They had sort of... Uh, 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 if I could say it this way, Christian lingo and half the world's lingo. Let me tell you something. If you're committed to Jesus Christ, then you ought to talk like a Christian. And you ought to ask the Holy Spirit of God to convict you for your mouth. And I'm listen, I'm not kidding about this. I believe that we as God's people have a response. The Bible says that we are going to give an account for every idle word. Listen, there's some men in this room tonight, when the invitation starts, you ought to get out of your seat before that first note on that piano is played, and you ought to come to an altar and put your face on the carpet, and you say, God, with your help, I'll never take your name in vain again. God, with your help, I'll never use profanity again. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to Luke and, uh, excuse me, Leviticus in chapter 19. Leviticus in chapter 19 of the Old Testament, it's all the way back. In the, just the first handful of books in the Bible. Please turn there with me. Leviticus in chapter number 19. We're going to look at verse number 11. Leviticus 19 verse 11. Ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. And ye shall not swear... By my name falsely. Let me tell you something. God's name is not a swear word. God's name is not a swear word. 
You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane. The word profane means irreverent to anything sacred, applied to persons. A man is profane when he takes the name of God in vain or treats sacred things with abuse and irreverence. So to treat with irreverence, with contempt, to pollute, to defile, to use as common, to put to a wrong use. He says in verse 12 again, Ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Go back to the chapter before, 18 and verse number 21. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. He's talking about child sacrifice. By the way, without us going through it, in this same chapter, he talks about, (laughs) it's disgusting, and I'll try to do it tastefully, but he talks about being perverted with your granddaughter, your half-sister, your paternal aunt, your maternal aunt, your aunt, your uncle, your daughter-in-law, your sister-in-law, your stepdaughter, your step-granddaughter, your sister-in-law. It's a sad thing that that has to be in the Bible, but this society needs it right now today. And with that, he mentions adultery in verse 20. and verse 21, he mentions child sacrifice. Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. There was a false god where they literally would sacrifice their children, their infants in a fire to the god Molech. By the way, which is no different than going in a Planned Parenthood building and sacrificing your little unborn baby to your own sinful lusts. No different whatsoever. Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane to treat with irreverence. Neither shalt thou profane to treat with contempt, to pollute, to defile, to use as common. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Go over to chapter 19, verse number 29. Do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. The word that is translated prostitute in verse number 29 is translated as such 36 times uh, uh, in your, um, excuse me, it's translated here, prostitute is translated 36 times profane in your Bible and 23 times as pollute. In other words, it's a synonym. In this passage right here where God speaks against profaning His name yet again. In verse 26 He speaks against enchantment, magic, observing times, astrology. He speaks against worldly associations with your hair and your beards. You don't, get, you don't do those things that make you look worldly. He's not against hair. He's not against beards. But you don't need to look like uh, whoever you're trying to look like. You boys. Listen, listen. You boys. Don't do it without your parents' permission. But you want to know why we don't want to waft your hair up? You punch in gay haircut and some of you boys, your hair's on your way to looking like that. Punch it in. I'm not, I'm not saying ask a fundamental Baptist preacher. Ask Google. Oh, yeah. Some of you moms and dads, you don't have the courage to, hey, son, cut your hair. No, we're not going to do that. No, no, no. So you get mad at the principal, mad at the teachers 
because we put it in a book and you agree to it and then we enforce it and you don't like us anymore. All right. Verse 28, he addresses piercings and tattoos. Verse 31, spiritual advisors, respect for elders in verse 32. Verse 34, respect and love for immigrants. Verse 35, justice. Verse 36, honest business dealings. My point is, he puts these things about profanity in the list with all these other things that we know are wrong. And my question to you is this. When did your lingo start changing? I tell you when it started changing. When you started chatting with and you started following so-and-so and you got on somebody's Instagram account and you started hanging out with so-and-so and you started texting back and forth with so-and-so and that's why you have half the speech of Ashdod. That's why you're using language you didn't use before. Hey, listen, clean up your mouth. Who's troubling you? Why are you talking that way? Why are you using almost cuss words? Listen, I was taught as a boy, we didn't use it. We didn't use Christian cuss words. What does G's stand for? Pardon me. Please don't be offended. But this needs to be said. What is friggin' supposed to stand for? What is gosh supposed to stand for? Breathe in, breathe out. Listen, you go through the Psalms. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Oh God, thou art my God. Read those two little words all through the Psalms. Oh God, oh God. And if you are a Bible reader and a Bible studier and a lover of the Word of God, then when you read those words and those words translate to your prayer life, when you use those words, oh God, you're crying out to God. You need Him. And you say, oh God, oh God, I need you. You don't say, oh God, weather. You don't use it that way. You don't profane his name that way. Who's troubling your tongue? You know what some of you need to do? You need to come tonight to the altar tonight and say, God, be within 30 minutes of when I get home, I'm deleting this account. I'm defriending this person. I'm going to unfollow about 15 of those people. I'll never watch those, those raunchy gossip videos again. Some of you need to hit the altar tonight. Some of your spirit is changing. Some of you need to learn how to be kind without being apart. What I preached this morning with good men I love and I count them a friend. They count me a friend. We love each other from a distance. We don't have the same doctrine. I don't think I'm a, a whit better than them and they don't think that about me. We love each other. We're kind to each other. We respect each other. But I got enough sense to know that we ought not run together. And some of you ought to have enough sense to know that your attitude goes south sometimes and you need to ask yourself why. You need to learn how to be kind and cordial and respectful to everybody but have enough sense to know that you don't need to hang out with just everybody. The last thing, look at verse 16. Back to Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary, one, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 16, walk in the spirit. Verse 18, be led of the spirit. Tonight, beware of he that troubleth your spirit, your reasoning, your tongue. Your doctrine, and lastly, your walk. Won't you think about something? Walking is progressive. Walking is progressive. My question is this Where is your walk taking you? Where are you headed tonight? In this church tonight, our folks, some very young in the Lord. And my heart thrills at this. But in this church tonight are some folks that are very young in the Lord. But I talk to them. And I see them. And they're moving. They're moving forward. You know, you know some of them, I mean, tremend, grown tremendously. Some of them don't cuss near as much as they used to. And you know what that is? It's growth. Let's show it up here. So let me show it up here. If this represents the beginning of the Christian life and uh, infancy as a Christian, as a believer, it talks about us babes in Christ. We're born again. We're born as new babes in Christ. And mature Christianity is going that way. Man, there's some, there's some believers in our, in our church right now. And they're, they, I mean, they're growing. I always this. I love this time of year. I love this time of year. Every year, this time of year, folks are talking to me for the first time that they're giving their tithes and offerings. That's just thrilling to me. <laughs> and 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 here is someone that's growing, and they're just learning what the tithe is, and they they they. And that's where they are. And oh, here, down here, somewhere, somebody that's maybe been a faithful giver for years, but in a place. Well, I kind of you know. In that area, they're backing up. Here's a person that is uh, becoming separated from the world. I, I remember two occasions, two men, I personally led them to Christ. And their wives swear that I preached against long hair while they were in the service. I don't remember if I did or not. It may have slipped out. I don't know. Both of them had the most beautiful hair down to their waist. You ladies would be jealous. And... Uh, I remember, I remember both those men when they came in that first time with a clean, masculine haircut. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 11. The Bible said if a woman uncovers her head, and the text says the covering is the hair, if a woman uncovers her hair, uncovers her head, she disrespects her authority, her head. I'm talking about her husband. And it says if a man has his head covered, he disrespects his authority, which is Christ. The order is given, God the Father, Jesus Christ, then dad, mom, and the kids. It's right there in the Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. Don't turn to it right now. You can study it later. <laughs> but in that, when a woman, you say, the Bible is clear that a man ought to have short hair and a woman ought to have long hair. You can say amen there if you want to. 
You say, well, is that long? I don't know. Ask yourself, is that long or is it short? Is this, is this short? Ask it the other way. Is this long? I would say if you're not sure for crying out loud, do something about it. Amen? Why? Because I want to honor. How many of you want to honor the Lord? Say amen. I want to honor the Lord. And so if the Lord shows me something, I want to try to do it. And right now in this church, there are believers that are still relatively young in the Lord. And, and, and they're making changes in their personal life. I mean, some of the things they, 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 some of the things they were wearing, they're not wearing. Some of the things they were doing, they're not doing. Some of the things they used to be proud of, they they're like, ah, why did I do that? They're growing, they're moving forward. And yet there's others who never did any of those things in their life. And yet, you know what you're doing? You're entertaining them. You're thinking about them. Can I, can I say this? We didn't, we didn't read it, but you go back to that Leviticus text, and the Bible clearly says you don't cut your flesh, you don't mark your flesh. Now, people walk in the doors of this church every single week of the world who've done those things, and many of you sitting here have done those things, and nobody's going to blink an eye at you, nobody's going to frown at you, nobody's going to treat you any different. That is the spirit of this church, Amen. And I told you about Miss Patsy over here teaching Sunday school, and she years and years ago got her got her a tattoo, and and she said, Pastor, I, I want to do something about it. Pray for me. And she went and finally she got that thing uh, covered up. And uh, and she what's she doing? She's going this way. She's going this way. Amen. I got news for you, my dear friend. Listen to me. If you're over here. And you're going this way, and this person's over here going this way. It's not where you are in the Christian life, friend. It's where you're headed. A walk is directional. If you can't walk without going somewhere. And my question for you is, which way are you walking? Are you walking backwards? Or are you walking forward? Are you growing in the Lord? Are you, are you backsliding in the Lord? Or are you growing? I got news for you. Where you are in the Christian life is not as important as where you're headed. Amen? So if you're over here and you're still young in the Lord, you say, Pastor, I'm still figuring this out. I don't know if I can do that music thing you're preaching about that. Well, pray for me on that one, Pastor. I don't know. But you know what? Some of the stuff, you've already got rid of it and you're moving this way. I'm talking to some of you over here now and now you're listening to stuff you wouldn't listen to before and now you're, you're venturing out. Hey, who is hindering you? Who's influencing you? Who's troubling you? Who's troubling your walk? How can two walk together except to be agreed? What you better do, my dear friend, listen to me. What you better do is find some folks that are headed where you're headed. And by the grace of God, find some folks you can walk with. Amen? Folks that are walking in the Lord and moving and growing in their Christian life. That's what's important. Where you're headed. Where you're going. Paul said, beware. He said that third chapter, who hath bewitched you? It's it's, it's the craziest thing. Folks, on fire for the Lord. Excited, open. Pastor, can I talk to you? Uh, Mister, can I talk to you? Sunday school teacher, can you talk to me? Youth pastor, uh, can you help me? Mister, youth pastor, can you help me? And all of a sudden, you you clam up. Instantly. Communication stops. Sweetheart, do you see so-and-so at church? I think so. They talk to you. No. I'm not saying you're right with God because you come and talk to pastor. 
if you come talk to pastor, bring a payday, then you're right with God. But I'm not saying you're right with God because you talk to pastor. But if you start avoiding eye contact with your parents and you start avoiding authority, let me tell you something. You are hooked up with somebody you ought not be hooked up with. When somebody begins to trouble your spirit, trouble your doctrine, trouble your walk, it's time for you to find an altar and say, God, by your grace, I want to live a life separated from those influences that pull me away. And I, by God's grace, want to get in a group of people that love God, not perfect people, but people that are going the direction I need to go. Let's stand together, shall we, Father?